Let's take a look at the fantasy playoffs. It's all-star break, but you can do a little bit of forward planning. Michael Bolton, he's got the notebook out. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I swear, babe, that's never happened to me before. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Yeah. Why don't you be a double banger? Hit the thumbs up, ring the notification bell, subscribe. There are going to be shows over the All-Star break. I am recording this show actually right now before the games on Thursday. It's airing after those games, but we're going to have some shows. I still don't know exactly what they're going to be, but we'll plan some stuff out. And there's going to be things there, a bit more forward, forward-facing, forward some waiver wire stuff, injury updates, all that sort of stuff across the next couple of days. Just the content will slow down slightly, but I don't want to stop the momentum. I want to keep things rolling and you can help that by double banging. And, you know, we all love to do that. So what are we looking at? We're looking at the fantasy playoffs. Now, I believe at times there is too much of a focus on the fantasy playoffs and drafts. The only thing I majorly focus on is when teams have those stinking two-game weeks for my first couple of picks. That's not a great way to approach things. Three games and four games don't really worry me that much. Um, the way the NBA has scheduled things in recent years as well has, mean, has meant that there is little variation um, week to week. It's not like we're situations where a team's playing 12 games over three weeks and one's playing seven, which that did used to happen. There used to be periods, say five, six years ago, you get like uh, 12 to eight and 12 to seven. Now it's like 12, 11, 10, usually. That's that's the only difference you get, which one game a week does make somewhat of a difference, but it's not as stark as it used to be. So that big boost you could get from being a big fantasy playoff legend is not quite there as much. Be really cautious about trying to overplan for the fantasy playoffs. You can say, I'm going to accumulate all these guys. And then when you get to the playoffs, that guy is injured, out of the rotation, um, not performing, and doesn't do anything for you. Fantasy basketball can change quite a bit, especially when we head to March in February, when things do get a bit wacky with rotations and injuries and coaches trying new things and experiment. There's a whole bunch of stuff that changes. So don't go too over the top with it. That's my number one piece of advice. Pay attention to it. But what is more important, I think usually, you can make trades if your trade deadline is still available, which some leagues it is, some leagues it isn't, to try and get other guys in to try and eliminate some of the downfalls of the fantasy playoffs. But most of it is just about uh, intentional streaming, maximizing games played for the week, looking at your matchup and understanding, again, in a category league, you only have to win 5-4. So leaning into strengths, leaning into punts, leaning into what you need to do to beat your opponent for that week. That's what it's about. It's not about rest of season. It's about what happens this week. How do I get five categories? Points leagues, it's how do I get more points? How do I get more games in for the week? And how do I do that with my waiver wire ad restrictions that I have? Right? I think all that is relatively, relatively straightforward. We're going to do a bunch of different fantasy playoff schedules because I know that you have that. I'm not going to cover, I am going to cover most of them. 
We're going to do week 19 to 21, which is my recommended playoff schedule, ending on March 24th. We're going to do week 20 to 22, which ends March 31st. It's okay. It's not great. We're going to do the one that ends um, week or goes week 21 to week 23. That's the Yahoo default, which ends April 7th. We're going to do the insane playoff schedule, which goes from week 22 to week 24, ending on April 14th, the final day of the season. I'm also going to do default ESPN playoffs, which is a four-week matchup, which goes from week 21 through to the final day of the season on week 24 with two game weeks, so a four-week playoff matchup. Again, stupid to play into April. You will tell me that it's not, and then we'll get to April, and I'm You'll tell me again that it's not, and then we'll play through April, and you go, yeah, it actually was. It's like, there'll be one or two sickos go, no, nah, it's actually the real test of skill to see who can go and stream Justin Manea uh, on the right day, or, or not. But you'll see that if you do think you're playing in April and you think it's going to be great, it won't be. It'll be bad. I assure you, it's going to be bad. But you can't do anything about it now, can you? You can't change it. Just remember that we will have the recommended dates all through the off-season for next season when that comes out, and... This has been honed through many, many years of doing this, and I think it is the correct way or the better way to do it. So, what is my recommended playoff dates and how do they look for fantasy? Well, this is what it is. We have got um, week 21, or week, starting week 19, going through to week 21, that ends on, the Mar- on March 24th, starts on March the 4th. So, basically... The end of week 17, the week 18, then we start in week 19. So two matchups away. That is how Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl works. Week 19 and week 20 are our two playoff weeks. And then week 21 is the final week, the Battle Royale to win all of the, the prizes. That's how it works. That is the standard date that I, whenever I talk playoffs, this is what I talk about because I believe you should be playing these dates. Now, if you're in a Roto League, this does not matter. All right, none of this matters. Don't worry about it too much. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. But we're talking head-to-head leagues, categories of points. So... Interestingly, in this period, week 19 through to week 21, every single game day is a quality game day. That is amazing. We don't ever have that. I I don't think I've ever seen a period where every single day is a streamable day for three weeks. You've got eight game days. There are some nine game days. But the NBA has done the perfect schedule for this three-week period. This is how it goes. Six, nine, eight, seven, eight, seven, nine. 67966978587886 it is perfection this is how the schedule should run if they're going to persist with the nonsense of 82 games this is how it all should run that is an a remarkably great schedule for content for watching for fantasy but that means with that sort of schedule where you can stream literally every single day You've got to be really cautious about utilizing your ads correctly, looking for back-to-backs, looking for how do I get three games in four nights? How do I maximize? And we'll do those shows, of course, when we get to that part of the year. I'm not going to do that right now saying, well, at this point, this is the guy you want to target to maximize. We'll do that as we get closer to it. And you can start to do your own research on this stuff as well. well. I've got links to the schedule analyzer in Basketball Monster on the YouTube show as well, and you can find that pretty easily. But it is the perfect time to play. Now, the downside of it, is we've got some extremes in terms of games. In week one of these playoffs, the Brooklyn Nets play five games. So don't get excited about Ben Simmons. He won't play all five of them. Cam Johnson probably won't play all five. We've already seen the Nets take a cautious approach with resting players early in the season and got fined. Watch for Dorian Finney-Smith. I think Cam Thomas probably plays them all, but you don't know. There might be one of those weird Bridges 10-minute games. That's possible too. So just be aware of that five-game week in week one. And this is where the two-game week problems come in that I've talked about all season. And that is the thing that I've been really cautious about in drafts. In week two of this matchup, 
the Lakers and the Wolves played two games. In week three, finals week, the Hornets and the Mavericks played two games. And this is why I've said, hey, I'd be really cautious. If all things are equal, don't look at Luka. Look at Shea. Don't take Luka top two or top three. Take Shea, take Halliburton, take Embiid, which obviously hasn't worked because he's hurt. You know, take Jokic in there. Take Giannis in a points league. Don't take Lamelo Ball at seven or eight or nine. Be really cautious about those sort of players. Be careful of Anthony Davis. He's been great. But two games. Be careful of Anthony Edwards. He has two games in the playoffs. Be really cautious with it. And if your team is loaded up, you've got um, Miles Bridges, you've got Brandon Miller, you've got LaMelo Ball, you've picked up Trey Mann. That's great. They're all providing value. That is not that is bad, 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 bad. Because you're not going to drop those guys when you get to the playoffs, but you are going to be at such a game's disadvantage that it's going to be an issue. You should start to diversify those two-game players out. Lakers, Wolves. It's probably more important for Dallas with like your Gafford and Lively and PJ Washington's at the moment. Deeper leagues, Josh Green. But the Hornets with Bridges and Miller and um, uh, Richards and bloody Trey Mann and those sort of guys. Obviously, like you, know, you wouldn't want to have Kyrie and Luca on the same team. You don't want to have LeBron and AD on the same team. You don't want to have Edwards and Towns or Gobert on the same team. You've got to start to split that up a little bit. That's how we sit with that at the moment. And I've gone on way too long talking about just the beginning of this, but I just wanted to set a few little... Uh, Few little ground rules because we've got a lot to cover here in this show and we'll get to the rest of that in a sec. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is partnering up with me all season long to give you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long, whether it is you're prepping for that daily draft or scouring the waiver wire. We can find the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So again, this is more of an evergreen show talking about fantasy playoffs, but if you're watching it when I'm releasing it, well, we've got to really look at Trey Mann, the aforementioned Trey Mann, who's got that two-game playoff week, but the value of him at the moment is great. He's still available in a lot of waiver-wise, and I just think you want to add him. Now, if you can add him and flip him for someone who's equivalent of value, who has a better playoff schedule, yeah, you go ahead and do that, but his value is great at the moment. I don't know how long or if Lamella Ball is going to return, so Mann has got a pretty strong role there for the Hornets. So that might be one of those moves that can give you that boost, put you into a good playoff spot, and then flipping that player for someone else might be get you, getting you to that fantasy championship because getting the players that are the perfect fit is what eBay Motors knows all about, and that's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to US customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. I know that part there is an ad, but that guaranteed fit part of it, even though it's, yeah, it's a tagline, it's important, like having the players that fit what your team needs, having the players that fit in terms of schedule to maximize games played is how you have success in the fantasy playoffs. That's as simple as that. That is how you have success. So let's take a look at, again, my recommended schedule week 19 through to 21. There's only one team that plays 12 games, and that is the Portland Trailblazers. They go 4-4-4. So the Scoot Henderson value is there. I don't know that we're going to have DeAndre Ayton, Jeremy Grant, and Anthony Simons playing. 
I don't think you'll have Brogdon playing the whole way, but I do think you'll have at least the majority of those games covered by those players. That's why I like to end week 21, because week 22 is when the shutdowns usually start. So Portland's got that great value, but you've got to be keeping an eye on Scoot, obviously. But you look to, do they giving minutes to Dwap Reith? Is, is Aiton actually out and Reith starting? Is Jabari Walker starting? Have they gone crazy and Delano Banton is starting? That is possible as well. Having a look at who's there, the Blazers sit atop as the only team with a Moses Malone 4-4-4 schedule. There are a bunch of teams that play 11 games. And it's really interesting that we talked about the Brooklyn Nets having that five-game week. They don't have the best schedule. They've got five games in week one of the playoffs. And if you have a buy there, that's great. And I'll talk, I'll talk about buys in a second. Um, but the Nets go 5-3-3. Three, three. So they have five games in week one. And then it's two like subpar weeks of three and three. So there are 10 teams that play 11 games during this time frame. People froth over buys. I don't like to set up a lot of my leagues with buys in general. I don't really see the point. But people think it's like this key to winning. Like, oh, if you get a buy, it means you're going to win. It's worth remembering that like teams in the NFL, they get the buy because they you know, qualified at the top of their standings, helps their players rest and refresh. Having a buy in fantasy basketball does not let your players rest and refresh. They don't get over their nagging injuries because they're still playing in real life. So a buy might be good for you. It might be bad because your players might go out there and drop huge performances. They might run at 70% shooting in the bye week when you know regression is going to hit and then it hits when you've got to play them. Or they get hurt. The converse is you might have someone that's injured who gets better, but there's no inherent advantage to it. The only inherent advantage to having a buy in fantasy basketball is... Well, actually, let's say this too. Um, the inherent advantage is it gives you a week with four waiver moves that you can take flyers on guys and it doesn't matter. Try and pre-plan for the week. You've just got free hits at stuff. That's that's really the number one advantage to having a buy in fantasies. You've just got a week to sort of play around on the waiver wire and add guys in and, and see where it goes. And it doesn't matter how that impacts your team for that week and you can pre-plan for the week ahead. But it doesn't give you this advantage of resting the guys, everyone's healthy and you're going through. The other advantage is, of course, you only have to win two weeks of matchups instead of three in a row. But if your team's good enough, you're going to win anyway. And yes, you might say, well, I, I, I get the buy and that makes me win. Well, the reason that you've got the buy is because your team was already good. So did you win because you got the buy or did you get the buy because you were going to win? And it's more the latter. So again, getting that week off doesn't do the things that I think that we think it might. Boston, 3-4-4. Chicago, 4-4-3. Cleveland, 4-3-4. Detroit, 3-4-4. Clippers, 4-4-3. Heat, 4-3-4. Sixers 4-3-4, Kings 4-3-4, Wizards 4-4-3. Now, in this time frame, again, these are all quality games. Every single one. So you can stream every day. There's no disadvantage or advantage to any of these. It's more about how do you look at it. But again, you could look at it. The Cavs, if you think you're going to have a buy and not use those teams, and those teams who have the four games in week one, well, that's not as useful. But the teams like a Pistons who have three or Boston who has three in week one of this three-week period, well, they actually could then go 4-4 for the two weeks that you play. So again, slight different nuances as to how you approach, how you value those guys. If we're looking at the next bunch of guys, there are 15 teams that play 10 games. Now, remember, Portland plays 12. 15 teams play 10. Again, every one of these games is a streamable day. Atlanta, Denver, Warriors, Rockets, Pacers, Grizzlies, Bucks, all play 10 games. 4-3-3 for Atlanta, 3-4-3 Denver, 3-3-4 Golden State, 4-3-3 Houston. You know what? If you're watching this on video, you can see those numbers. If you're listening on audio, me reading out those numbers, I don't think really helps you because you're not going to be going, oh, okay, cool. 
Um, so I'm not going to actually read out those games played because I think it's pretty pointless because, again, if you are on audio, you'll want to go and see the visual representation so you can plan it out. And if you're on video, you can already see it. So we just talk about the teams that have it. Atlanta, Denver, Warriors, Rockets, Pacers, Grizzlies, Bucks, Wolves, Pelicans, Thunder, Magic, Suns, Spurs, Raptors, Jazz. All got 10 games. You'll notice that the Timberwolves, who have a two-game week, are in here. So they have 4-2-4. Four, four. That's a noteworthy schedule. So it looks great, but if you're in a situation where you are going to get that first round by, they've got a terrible 2-4 schedule. That's really bad. But if you're in a 4-2-4 setting and you've got to play that first week, well, there's actually value in having Ant Edwards and Towns and Gobert for the four games in week one. So their schedule's a little bit different. Remembering, once again, that all of these days are streamable. And then we've got four teams who only play nine games. This is the largest spread of games played through any playoff date. Most plays 12, fewest plays nine. So you've got the Hornets who go 3-4-2, two games in championship week. Dallas who goes 3-4-2, two games in championship week. The Lakers who go 4-2-3. So like the Wolves, they have two games in the middle. And then the Knicks just go 3-3-3. So they're just below average in every week. These other ones, Charlotte, Dallas, the Lakers, they all have four-game weeks sprinkled in, but they've got the dreaded two-game week in there, which is something I do like to avoid. I'm not avoiding Knicks players because they go 3-3-3. I think that's fine. We can adjust to that pretty easily. But that's how that all looks for the schedule. That is the weeks 19 to 21, which is my recommended schedule uh, or playoff schedule. So what if we go to the next one? Weeks 20 to week 22. It ends on the 31st of March. We know that week one and week two of this setup has all quality games, streaming every day. But finals week is bad. It is very bad from a streaming perspective. And that is important to note because in finals week, we only have three streamable days. We go 11, 4, 12, 2, 12, 3, 10. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is streaming days. So what happens in finals week is very different. The Lakers and the Wolves have two games in week one. The Hornets and the Mavericks have two games in week two. And the quality game variance is huge here. It goes between 10 and 6. That is a big, big difference. Whereas in my recommended one, it's got nothing to do with why I recommended it, but in my recommended schedule, we're sitting in that spot where you head in there and every team has the same quality games. Everything is as equally streamable as possible. Here, the Celtics have 10 quality games out of their 11 games. The Pelicans, all 10 of their games are on the low-volume days. Whereas you head to the Hornets and six of their 10, including them having a two-game week, six of their 10 are on high-volume days. The same with the Nets, the same with the Rockets, the same with the Knicks, the same with the Lakers, the same with the Wolves. Six quality games only. It's a gigantic difference. It's such a big difference compared to the Bucks. And we'll talk about this in a second. The Bucks play nine games only, but all nine of those games are on low-volume days versus the Hornets, who play 10 games, but a two-game week, plus only six qualities. So is it better to have Leaky Beasley, or is it better to have Grant Williams? You might use Grant six times, and there's a two-game week, and you might use Leaky nine, or Bobby Portis nine. Big, big difference. Huge difference. Important difference. Important difference. No one plays 12 games during this time frame. Boston, Chicago, Cleveland plays 11, along with Denver, Detroit, Warriors, Clippers, Sixers, Blazers, Kings, Spurs, Jazz, and Wizards. They, there's 13 teams that play 11 games, so no one goes 4-4-4 during this time frame. No one goes 4-4-4, but remember, in finals week, 
The last week of this combination is where you have the real quality game crunch. So paying attention to when you're streaming in, guys, and if you're looking, well, this team's got 11 games. That's fantastic. And the Celtics is pretty good. Even though they've only got three games in final week, they play all of those. No, they don't. They play two of those on the um, quality game days. And other teams don't hit that mark at all. So be really cautious about which team, when you're looking at it, not all 11 game schedules are created equal. If we go to 10 games, there are 12 teams that play 10 games. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Dallas, Houston, the Pacers, the Heat, the Pelicans, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Suns, and the Raptors. And you'll notice that both the Hornets and the Mavericks are in there with 10 games, second most amount of games, even though they've got a two-game week in there. So again, you go, there's the two games in the middle. They've got surrounded by fours and fours. But then the Hornets play only six quality games out of their 10. That's not super strong, is it? And if we want to dig further into it, if we look at that finals week, there are so many teams like the Hornets that play zero quality games. Zero. The Nets play zero. The Bulls play zero. The Cavs play zero. Nuggets, zero. Rockets, zero. Clippers, zero. Knicks, zero. Spurs, Jazz, Wizards, Pacers, um, Pistons, Wolves, Suns, Blazers, Raptors. Zero quality games in finals week. Meaning when you're looking at those guys and say, well, they've got a great schedule, let's stream them in. And they just sit on your bench the entire week of finals week. Not how you would want to play that. And then the worst schedule are the nine game teams. There are five of them and the Lakers and the Wolves with their two game week in week one is there. Now, if you are in a situation again, where you're going to get a buy, that two game week is not as important. So they don't look as bad. The Lakers go two, three, four. The Wolves go two, four, three. And everyone else is a three, three, three there. And like I talk about, the Bucks have three, three, three. You go, okay, that's really bad. Worst team there, three, three, three. But all of those games for Milwaukee are quality games. Every one of them. They're the only team that um, does it out of these three game teams. There's, they're the only team that actually maxes, or them and the Pelicans are the only two teams that play every one of their games on a low volume day. Meaning when you get to finals week, their value is bumped up more than other teams. I do really recommend you go and dig into an actual schedule grid and plan it out. So I'm throwing you a bunch of numbers, but more giving you an idea on planting that idea consistently in your head. When games are played is important. Not every 10-game playoff schedule, 11-game schedule is created equal. Today's episode is brought to you by Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood is the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar that you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar that you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That is right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info, claim as of quarter one, 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRA and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA is available to US customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. Okay, so that's the first bunch of playoff settings done. Um, Let's go to the next group, and we're talking when we go week twenty, week twenty-one through to week twenty-three. This is Yahoo Default. Yahoo Default. It ends on the seventh of April. Week one, 
Every game is a quality game. Week two, there's only three of those days, like the finals of the last one, that are quality games. And then when you get to um, the finals week, week three, five of the seven days are quality games. So in that finals week, it goes six, nine, nine, five, really strong start to the week. Then 12 games Friday, four games Saturday, 13 games Sunday. It stinks. The NBA has absolutely backloaded this schedule so that the final two weeks of the season have so many games in them. And I don't really know why they do that. And I think that's going to exacerbate the sitting and resting and back-to-backs because the load is gigantic. So playoff teams are going to want to sit players down. Tanking teams are not going to want to risk this stuff. The only teams that are going to be pushing are the teams that are looking for seeding or play-in stuff. And it's going to lead to some problems. I think it's, a again, it's a ridiculous idea. I don't know why they pumped it so high in there. Charlotte and Dallas have the two games in week one. And then there's no other anomalies for the rest of the season now. No three gamers. Oh, sorry. No five gamers or no two gamers. The quality game is a big variance. It goes from nine to four for teams. That is a huge difference. Over three weeks, five quality game differences is massive. And it is important for you to know that. There are four teams that play 12 games over this period. They all go 4-4-4. Cleveland, the Warriors, the Sixers, and the Kings all have the 12-game schedule. But as per usual, the differences between those is important to note. And we would love for there to be differences, but there's not. So weirdly enough, all of those four teams play seven quality games out of their 12. Now, obviously, in week one, all four of those count. So if over there, over their eight remaining games, over the final two weeks, there's three quality games. That's pretty bad, yeah? You get all four games in week one, and then they have three streaming valuable days over two weeks, despite playing eight games. It's not very good. So don't get completely fooled. Don't get completely, well, they're a 4-4-4. It's the best playoff schedule. I love my 4-4-4 team. I'm going to get the Kings guys in. When your fringe Kings, your Barnes, Herder, maybe Monk, maybe Murray, you might use them three times, depending on your roster. You might use them three times in the final two weeks of the playoffs out of their eight games. It's dreadful. It's really bad. Um, let's look at the 11 game teams because there are 16 of these. There's a lot, man. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Boston, Detroit, Houston, Indiana, Clippers, Lakers, Heat, Wolves, Pelicans, Knicks, Thunder, Blazers, Jazz, and Wizards. You'll know that none of the two game teams are listed here, which are the Hornets and the Mavs, two games in week one. So again, we are talking about most teams, majority of teams playing 11 games during this time frame, but there are going to be stark differences. The Atlanta Hawks, for example, have nine quality games. They have nine quality games and they play three games in week one. So they're all quality games. So six of their next eight are quality games. So you compare the Hawks with six quality games out of their eight across those final two weeks versus the Kings or the Warriors or the Cavs who have three or the six is the other one. Three versus six. So my Bogdan Bogdanovich is probably double the value of a Keegan Murray. Now, I don't know what the Hawks are going to do. Maybe it's Kobe Bufkin that's in there. But the value is so much different. The Celtics have eight. The Pelicans have nine out of their 11 as quality games here. Nine of the 11 of, their, of, the, of quality games. And... What you want to look at there. So like the Hawks are the, are the better one because they only have three games in week one. So they're able to really stack up the qualities across the final two. But the Pelicans with those nine are interesting as well. So they have five quality games over the final two weeks. Not quite as good as the Hawks six, 
but still pretty solid. Still pretty solid. Uh, and the Celtics have got the eight, like I said. Um, yeah, like I said there. But not all 11s are the same. Not all 12s are the same. Some 11s are better than 12s. It really does depend. And the lowest amount of games this week is 10. And 10 teams have it. Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Memphis, Milwaukee, Orlando, Phoenix, the Spurs, and the Raptors. You'll notice the Hornets and the Mavericks with a two-game week in week one. If you've got the bye, then it's totally good because they play four and four. They're pretty good after that. It's all good to go. But again, where do the quality games sit? Well, the Bucks are looking pretty good. They have three games in week one. That is three quality games, obviously. And then over the final two weeks, five quality games. That's the same as what the Pelicans is. It's one less than the Hawks. It's two more than those 12-game teams. So while the Bucks have got 10 games versus the Cavs having 12, a fringe Bucks player is better than a fringe Cavs player, most likely. These are important things, very important things when you're structuring it out. It is not about the bulk of the games. And then on the flip side, like the Hornets or the Bulls, they've only got four quality games in total. Now, the Hornets are a little bit different because they've got four quality game totals. They've got two games in the week one, so they've got two quality games across the final two weeks. The Bulls have only got four quality games, so that means they go three of those in week one, and they play one streamable day across the final two weeks of this, pl- of this playoff schedule. One. That's, that's terrible. There are teams here. I'm just going to have a look who it is. Is it the Spurs? No, it's not actually. I thought there was a team that might have had like one where they had no quality games over the final two weeks, but no, there's not. So yeah, it's just the Spurs only have four qualities in total um, and they're like the Bulls. They have one. They have one across the final two games of the week. Across the final, sorry, final two weeks of the matchup, which again is just, it's really quite bad. It's, it's just not giving you that value at all that you think you might be getting. So if you want to be crazy and finish on the end of the regular season, good luck to you. It's going to be bad, I promise you. It's very hard for me to tell you, add these players, because it's going to be wild stuff everywhere. Outside of about six teams, everything's going to be crazy. Week 22 to 24, it ends on the 14th of April. In week one, there are three quality games streaming days. In week two, there are five. And in week three, the final week of the season, absolute disaster. The most jam-packed schedule you would find. Two quality games in week three. The final week, two. Quality game totals varies, which unbelievably, from two to seven. So over a three-week period, there are teams that play two low-volume days. One of those is the Chicago Bulls, the Spurs, the Jazz, the Wizards, and the Pacers. Two quality games across the entirety of those three weeks. Absolutely horrendous. So when you're looking at Andrew Nampard, Jalen Smith, Benedict Matherin, Aaron Neesmith, um, Danny Avdia maybe, Marvin Bagley perhaps. You might not use him at all. Who else have I got? The Jazz. Maybe it is Keontae George. There are going to be weeks where you just don't use these players. Amazing. Like You just won't use them. They'll sit on your bench the entire time, wasting time when you could be getting someone in that final week. Even though there's only two quality games on in that final week, you could be able to find somebody who gives you more than zero. So if we look at championship week, final week of the season, um, there are the Pacers, Lakers, Sixers, and Wizards who play zero quality games. Everyone else only plays one. So nobody even gets to double up 
on both of those days. Just a dreadful week. If I have a look at how it actually schedules out, it's zero games on Monday. That is NCAA Final Four Championship. There's 14 games on Tuesday. Disgusting. There's eight on Wednesday, five on Thursday. So there's your, there's your stream days. And then it's 15 Friday, zero Saturday, 15 Sunday. So you cannot stream the final three days of the week. Really, like, well, that's not true because, again, there's going to be wild situations where you can drop players and add guys in. But as a general rule, you are going to have a completely full roster on Friday and Sunday to end that week. Not only is it terrible in terms of everyone who's going to be sitting and random players popping up, but the last three days are going to be a complete cluster with 15 games on two of the three days and then a day off in the middle with nothing happening where you're going to be having to have a look of like, how do I get guys in? It's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. It is a bad, bad week. So who plays nine games? I don't write out what the schedule is for all these teams because all of them just go 4-4-4. Four, four, four. They're all 12-game 12 12 teams. Atlanta, Charlotte, Dallas, Warriors, Rockets, Clippers, Knicks, Thunder, and Kings go 4-4-4 four, four, four to finish. Remembering, again, that having the, um, the wherewithal to know how the schedule plays out is important. Like the Hornets, for example, play 12 games. So we've talked about how bad their schedule is with a two-game week. Well, in this period, they have 12. That's great. That's the most. Unfortunately, they play three quality games. Three. That's that's shocking. That's bad. The Rockets, the Clippers, the Knicks play three quality games. Whereas the Celtics, who play 11 games total, they have five quality games. It's the Hawks that lead the way with seven. So they have... If you finish anywhere in April, 7th of April or 14th of April, the Hawks have probably the best schedule of any team. They've probably got the best schedule. And you probably don't really hear that, but they have got the best schedule of any team. There are 20 teams that play 11 games. Again, I'm not going to read out all of the names or all of their individual schedules, but Brooklyn, Boston, Chicago, Cleveland, Denver, Detroit, Lakers, Grizzlies, Heat, Bucks, Wolves, Pelicans, Magic, Sixers, Suns, Blazers, Spurs, Raptors, Jazz, and Wizards. You can see all the numbers there. You can go check a schedule grid to see all those numbers. But again, it is important to note who has the bad ones. It's the Bulls have got two quality games. The Bucks have got six. The Pelicans have got six. Pretty good. The Grizzlies have got five. And the Celtics have got five. You're not going to get much better than that. Well, you're not going to get better than that at all. So... Yeah, and oh, sorry, the Wizards, the Jazz, and the Spurs also have only two, the same as the Bulls. So just some horrific streaming schedules. So it's always important, how can, how can I use these guys? Are 11 games important? For, my, for the top-end guys, it is important. For your back-end guys, it's not important. It's about when you can use them. And there's only one team that plays 10 games over that period. It's the Pacers. And unfortunately for the Pacers, they also have that week in the final week where they don't play a single quality game. So they only have 10 games in total. They only play two quality games and they occur in week one and week two of the playoffs. So be really cautious about your Nempards, Neesmiths, McConnells, um, Smiths, Toppins, whoever. It's just unusable for a lot of those guys. And it's obviously worse for Halliburton and Siakam as well. So if you decided that you wanted to move off those guys for someone equivalent to bump you up to a Hawks player, a Trey Young for Tyrese Halliburton, might be a big W for you. Although, who knows? Someone might get hurt at any point. But that might be a huge W. Getting from two quality games to seven, from 10 overall games to 12. It's a big difference. And that's the sort of thing that you, know, you might want to take a squiz at, I think. So, that is that. If you're on ESPN Standard, that is the final four weeks of the regular season. 
Week one has seven quality games, all streamable. Then you go week two with three, week five with uh, week three with five, and week four with two. Quality game has pretty big variance. It's between ten and five. Charlotte and Dallas have two games in week one of this ESPN standard four-week playoff schedule, where each matchup is two weeks. There are two teams that play 16 games that end the season with a 4-4-4-4. It is the two Northern California teams. Don't know why that's the case, but the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. In fact, I think the Warriors only have that because of the rescheduled game against the Dallas Mavericks in that time frame. So they've got the 16 games there, and both of them have eight quality games. So that's on the high end. The low end is five. The high end is 10. So they're on, So it's not bad for them, but no real separation in terms of um, overall quality game numbers. There are 14 teams that play 15 games across this three-week period. Atlanta, Boston, Cleveland, Detroit, Houston, the Clippers, Heat, Wolves, Pelicans, Knicks, Thunder, Sixers, Blazers, and Jazz. Now, in those group of teams, the Hawks have, again, the Hawks and the Pelicans are the best. 10 quality games out of 15. The Celtics have nine. And then you've got the worst ones that have like um, six. No one goes down to five out of this 15-game group. It's the Rockets with six, the Clippers with six, the Knicks with six, and the Jazz with six over that time period. And then the lower end is 14 teams playing 14 games. So the difference between 15 and 14 is obviously one game across three weeks. It's not very much, and it's the exact same amount of teams. So you're not at a gigantic disadvantage if your team's got 14 games because a... Half the league has got it, basically. And half the league's got 15, and it's one game over three weeks. It doesn't make that much of a difference. Where you need to look at it is what the difference comes in with quality games. And this is where you have a bunch of teams playing five, whereas the Bucks play nine. But the Bucks nine, for example, nine out of their 14 being quality, compares, like, how good does that compare to the Knicks having six? So if you are, man, I'm hoping the pressure to chew pops off, or if I'm going to hold Josh Hart, well, you'll have six quality games, whereas Leaky Beasley is going to be way better than that. And that's, that becomes important too. A lot of what we do in the playoffs is adjustments right as it happens. We've, we're maximizing our weeks and we'll do all those shows there, of course. But now it's about a little bit of future planning. How can you, can you trade up? Can you trade out of situations to get you into a spot where your top-end guy, you might have moved off that two-game week? Or you've moved into a situation where if it is in the finals or it's the second week that you've moved away from a situation where those back-end players that you might have or mid-range players you might have. So it's, yeah, they then become more valuable to, or they're less valuable to you because of the quality games. Now, quality games is more important for streaming, but the more guys that you can get that play on quality game days means that on those higher volume days, you actually open up those roster spots. So while I don't really prioritize, hey, my top-end guys, they need to be on teams with the really high-quality game numbers, if you find someone that's relatively equivalent, let's say the example in this period, like we're talking about the Pelicans having 10 quality games or Trey Young and the Hawks having 10 of their 15, right, having as quality games versus, um, let's say, Lowry Markinen for the Jazz, who's got six quality games out of 15. If you made a trade of, we'll use, let's use Trey Young. I don't know if Trey Young for Lowry you consider fair or not. Some might say that that's way too much in Trey's favor. I think I agree. But you know, I could use Jalen Johnson or DeJounte Murray and someone say that's way too much in favor of Larry Markin. True, Markin probably doesn't play the rest of the season all, all the way through, to be fair, but for the sake of this argument. Moving off of a Lowry Markin or a Walker Kessler or a Keon, whoever, but even if it's a top-end-ish sort of guy, 
they've got the same amount of games. Jalen Johnson for Larry Mark, and it's even a step down in value, most likely for you. Having Jalen Johnson play two-thirds of his games on the the lower-volume days means that that roster spot then opens up on the higher-volume days, and then your streaming capabilities change. So if you have, if he starts to play on all the low volume days, then your high volume Wednesday or high volume Friday or whatever, maybe you do have the ability to add somebody in. Or maybe you stack some Hawks guys or you get a Brandon Ingram and you send out someone from the Clippers because they only have six quality games. Maybe you look at, I'll send Paul George and get Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram plays 10 quality games. Paul George plays six. And now you've turned Larry Markinen and Paul George into Brandon Ingram and Jalen Johnson. And that has given you a net increase of eight quality games played, meaning that that means there's eight extra games played on high volume days that have opened up on your roster that then opens up your streaming capabilities on those days as well. That is something that doesn't really get talked about. You can very easily say, I'm going to switch a two game player in the playoffs for a three game or a 12 game or a 4-4-4 for a 4-4-3 or whatever and get one extra game over the week. That's cool. That's like the Drake meme of like the the face, but the other one's the, the hand pointing like, Hey, I've just snagged five extra quality games over a playoff period, even though they play the same amount of games, and I'd start them every day anyway. But moving that guy from Wednesday in his games onto Tuesday means that my Wednesday now has an open slot that somebody else can play. Get it? I think it makes sense. I hope it makes sense. Regardless, you can go and play around with all of the schedule tools and see how that plays out, but be very, very cautious about when the games are played and the hidden value, the hidden feature, the hidden um, uh, advantage you can get is trading same playoff schedule players for more quality game players during that time frame to open up your streaming capabilities. Now, if you're using my recommended playoff schedule, that doesn't matter at all because every single game is streamable. It does not matter. So we're looking more at volume of games and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. We can't predict who's going to be in or out. That's really hard to do. But giving yourself a situation where you can get like one game, who cares? One game over three weeks, one game over four weeks, doesn't matter. Who cares? It means nothing. If you can get four, five extra qualities, it's a massive deal. It is an absolutely massive deal, I think. And you might disagree, and that is cool. And if you do, down in the comments below. So hit subscribe. Come back and watch this video many, many times. Between now and your playoffs, you can have a look at all the things up on the screen. Go to, go to our schedule analyzer over at Basketball Monster as well to have a look at how the quality games all shake out. And guys, we are done here. Enjoy the all-star break. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. See ya.